In July of 1961, uh, the 38 members of the Green Bay Packers professional football team had gathered for the start uh, of training camp. Uh, The year before had been a heartbreaking year for them. They had made it to the NFL championship game. They had blown a lead late in the fourth quarter, and they had lost the game to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, All the entire offseason, they had been reliving this loss thinking about the day they were going to get back to training camp, the day when they were going to take it to the next level, put in the new plan, make some adjustments, see what they needed to do to go and to win the Super Bowl the next year. Their coach uh, had a different idea, Vince Lombardi, and you have probably heard this before, but at the very beginning of training camp, he walked in carrying a football and he said, Gentlemen, this is a football. This is a football. You would think they knew that. But he, he was saying to them, we are going to be about the basics. We're not going to you know, put in this crazy plan, but we, we need to start with the basics and the fundamentals and make sure that we have the basics and the fundamentals right. This is a football. Uh, this morning the message is going to be a little bit of a this is a football sermon. Uh, because what I want to talk about this morning is our purpose of Reaching and equipping. We say, if you've been through our new members class, we say the purpose of Grace Presbyterian Church is to reach people for Christ and to equip them to serve in His kingdom. Our our purpose is to reach and equip. Our purpose is to minister. Our purpose is to take the gospel of those who don't know Christ and to build up in the faith those who do know Jesus Christ. What does that look like? What does that look like for each one of us? What, what would it look like for each one of us to own what we say is our purpose here at Grace? Not just to hear it talked about, but to actually go out during the week and to live out this purpose of reaching and equipping, of, of doing ministry uh, as the people of God. That's what we're going to think about this morning. So look with me now, Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 31. This is God's word. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epaphtata. Sounds like I have a speech impediment. That is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Uh, Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you for this uh, example of your word from your word of, of ministry and what it looks like. Uh, I pray that you would, would help us to give attention to this uh, and that you would help us to go out and be those uh, who reach uh, and equip. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want us to think about this morning uh, of four things I think that are involved in ministry that we can draw from this passage. Uh, the first is this ministry involves. Entering the world of the people that we're trying to reach. 
Ministry involves entering the world of the people that, that we're hoping to reach. In verse 32, a group of people bring a man who is deaf, uh, who, who has a speech impediment. They bring this man to Jesus. Verse 33 uh, tells us that Jesus takes this man aside privately. He puts his fingers into the man's ears. He spits on his hand and touches the man's tongue. And then he looks to the heavens and sighs and says, be open. Now, what's all that about? Uh, First of all, Jesus pulls this man away from the crowd. Now, Jesus obviously wasn't opposed to doing miracles in public with people watching. He did this frequently. So why does he pull this man aside? Uh, It's probably because Jesus sees something in this man where he he needed to be pulled aside and and dealt with privately. Maybe this man has been to supposed healers before and it's never worked out and he doesn't want to, Jesus doesn't want this man to to kind of have that fear welling up within him that this is about to happen all over again. Maybe the man is just shy and Jesus is saying, come on, come come over here. You can can trust me. It's okay. We're, We're going to take care of this. It'll be okay. Jesus is creating an atmosphere where this man can trust him. But then why does he do all these physical gestures before he heals him? Putting his his fingers into the man's ears, uh, touching his tongue. Why does he do this? Well, think about it. This man couldn't hear. He couldn't speak clearly. He couldn't communicate verbally the way uh, you and I communicate. So Jesus spoke to him in a way that he could understand. He, he touched his ear to say, I'm going to take care of that. He touched his tongue to say, I'm, I'm going to take care of that too. We're going, to, we're going to fix that too. He looked to heaven to say, this isn't magic. God is the one who's going to make you well. He entered into this man's world and he communicated to him in a way that this man would be able to grasp what Jesus was about to do. That's ministry. Uh, Reaching and equipping involves entering the world of the people that we are hoping to reach. Entering their world. Now let me, I want to talk about four implications of this uh, for us as God's people. This idea that ministry involves entering the world of the people that we're hoping to reach. Number one, this means that we have to get out of our bubbles. Now there's all kind of all kind of bubbles that, that we live in. We live in technology bubbles uh, where we walk around with our headphones in all the time or capturing Pokemon all the time. Somebody challenged me that to work that into the sermon today. Um, or, or we're staring at, at Facebook all the time. You know, we, we exist kind of these technology bubbles where we become oblivious to other people. We live in we live in home bubbles where we pull in in the evening and raise the drawbridge, so to speak. Drop the garage doors and, and we're into our home and we're just kind of kind of cut off from the people around us. We live in Christian bubbles where we're constantly gathering with God's people, which is a good thing to be with the saints. But then we're with them Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and we're in the Christian running club and the Christian book club and, and what have you. And we don't have relationships with those uh, outside of our Christian bubbles. What, what are ways that you and I can, can get out of those bubbles? How can we get out of the bubbles that we tend to withdraw into? What are the, the places that fit who you are, uh, fit the way you are wired, 
where you can naturally build relationships with people who don't know Christ? How can you actually begin to get to know your physical neighbors? Uh, would you be willing, and I know that's hard because we all do kind of go in, but would you be willing even as a family to begin to pray, hey, God, what, can you enable us to, to meet some of our neighbors and to know some of our neighbors and to figure out how to love our neighbors? If we're going to, to enter into other people's worlds, we have to leave the bubbles that we tend to hang out in. Uh, a second implication of this, I think, is that we've got to be willing to open ourselves up to the brokenness that's around us. This, this guy that Jesus ministers to is not a well man. Uh, most of us aren't. Uh, in, in fact, all of us are broken in some way or another. And when you enter into another person's world, you know, it's, it's hard enough dealing with your own junk and your own brokenness. But when you start having to deal with somebody else's, uh, that can be very difficult for us. It can be uncomfortable and frustrating. And, and we tend to want to avoid that other brokenness at all costs or to suppress the knowledge that there's so much brokenness around me. Uh, I was scrolling through my Facebook feed the other day and something came up. I can't remember exactly. It was from the Atlantic. And it was talking about senior citizens who are, their spouses passed on and they're living alone and they're in large cities and, and how hard that is. You can be so anonymous in such a large city. And I kind of gathered that from it and I started to click on it. I was like, I don't, I don't need any more pain to take on for people. Like, I just don't want to read that right now. Somebody else is going to have to help them because I'm not going to be the one to help them. I don't want to read about that. And I'm not saying to you, like, you have to click on every sad news story in your Facebook feed. And you have to fully enter into that if you're going to do uh, ministry. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that we can't just, if we're going to minister to people, we can't just slam the door on all the brokenness around us and hope that it goes away. We have to be willing to actually enter into it. Uh, imagine if, if you went to your doctor's office and you walked in and instead of the doctor being there, there was just a, a video screen and your doctor was on a boat in the Bahamas, and he was treating you from there. And it wasn't because he was making a special exception because you were in dire need. He treated everybody like that. He just didn't like being in contact with sickness and brokenness. And so he stayed over here where he was comfortable and tried to treat his patients from a distance. Well, that's silly. If you're, if you're a physician, you have to enter into the world. You have to have contact with the people you're trying to, to heal. Uh, as, as Christians, if we're going to minister to people, we can't do it from a distance. We can't stay over here and, and be comfortable all the time. We actually have to enter into the world, the brokenness uh, of the people around us. Uh, a third implication of this, if we're going to enter into other people's worlds, we have to be okay with the awkward. Now... I can't imagine anything more awkward. Well, I guess I could, but this is extremely awkward. Uh, going up and sticking my fingers in somebody's ears or having somebody do that to me and then somebody spitting on their hand and, and putting it on my tongue. But we're supposed to do what Jesus does, right? So lean to the person in front of you. <laughs> Just kidding. WWJD does have its limits. Uh, but that's, that's a different sermon. Um, but, but we, we despise awkward situations. We're, we're terrified of the awkward. There's a, there's a great scene in Meet the Parents where uh, Ben Stiller has gone over to his fiance's home and Robert De Niro asks him 
to pray before the meal, and his fiance says, Dad, he's Jewish. And Robert De Niro says, you're telling me Jews don't pray, honey? And, unless you have some objection. And, and Ben Stiller says, no, 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 I'd, I'd love to. It's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I've said grace at, at many a table. Uh, and so he, he starts to pray. And, and this is his prayer. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us. A kind and gentle and accommodating God, and we thank you, O oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly laid on our table this day. And everybody through this prayer is like, like, oh my goodness, they're looking at each other. And each day, by day, day by day by day, <laughs> oh dear Lord, three things we pray to love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more near, nearly, day by day by day. Amen. And it's just this, oh, it's, 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 it's incredibly funny, but everybody's just, so, it's so awkward for everybody sitting at the table. And we feel like when we enter ministry that we're like, we're going to be Ben Stiller in that scene. Like we're just creating this awkwardness around us and everybody's like, what, what is this guy doing? We've got to be okay with that. You got to be okay with that. I mean, sure, try to make it as, as less awkward as possible. But but in some aspects, ministry is simply going to be awkward. Last week we talked about uh, hoping to see more African Americans involved. Well, any African Americans involved uh, with, with our church here of Grace Presbyterian Church. But building relationships across racial lines that can be awkward. There are awkward conversations that you have to have in those situations. We've talked about being a church that wants to reach college students and build relationships with college students. But if you're not talking to college students every day, that can be really awkward, those conversations on both ends, because you're kind of sitting there looking at each other going, what do we have in common with each other? I'm, I'm 40 years old with three kids, and you know, I'm, I'm 19, and I'm, I'm running around playing Pokemon, and you're just like, how do these, how do these fit together? What, what things do we have in common to talk about? And so it can feel very awkward to us, and our tendency is like, I'm not going to do that just because it's awkward. Like, it's kind of funny. That's American suffering, okay? That's our problem. Uh, we're, we're afraid of the awkward. But if you're going to do ministry, you have to be willing to enter in uh, and embrace the awkward. A, a fourth implication of this. Ministry involves learning to speak the language of the people we're hoping to minister to. Jesus speaks language that this, excuse me, this man can understand. Well, we have to learn to speak in ways that the people we're trying to reach find understandable. Trying not to use too much Christianese or Christian terminology without explaining exactly what it is that we're talking about. Uh, trying to be conversant in our culture, in, in the movies and songs of our culture. But, but, but even more than that, perhaps, just trying to understand the life of the person that you're trying to reach better. Understand their job and their pressures and their family and what things are, are like for them and their heartaches and their worldview. Like how do they how do they think about life? What do they think about God even? What is what does that what does that concept even mean to them? We have to, to figure out where the people we're talking to are actually coming from if we hope to minister to them. Uh, we were, our family was driving across town last 
Friday evening, and as we were driving, we were coming up to a stop sign, and there was a gas station on the right. And I'm not making the story up, but there was a guy with no shirt on and a patch on his eye, and he was yelling angrily across the road, and then he walked across the road in front of us, and there was a lottery sign in front of the gas station, and he kicked the lottery sign, and he was, and I don't know if he lost, I don't really know what happened, and he was yelling at the store, and I was pulling by, and he almost walked into my car. And what was going through my mind first was, I am pulling out in front of whoever's coming at this corner. I don't care if we have a wreck. I'm getting away from here as fast as possible. Because I don't know what this guy's on or, or what's going on. But the second thing that went through my mind was, because I've been thinking about this, was, how would I enter into his world? Like, like if I'm trying to speak the gospel in ways that people can understand it, what would it be like for me? How would I even begin to broach the difference between that guy's world and the world that I live in? Like, that just seems a bit overwhelming to me. But fortunately for us, I don't think Jesus is asking you to start with the shirtless guy kicking the sign in front of the gas station. Now, maybe... But for most of us, where Jesus is asking us to start is simply with the people that you already have in your lives. Family members, neighbors, friends. How can I begin to think about communicating the gospel to them in ways that they can understand it, in ways that will be real to them? Ministry involves entering the world of the people that we're hoping to reach. Uh, Anderson Mill Baptist Church Uh, has done this ministry, this outreach recently, where what they did was they took um, disposable cameras and they gave them to all the people who were, the the homeless who were kind of coming through involved with Miracle Hill. And these folks would then just take these cameras out around Spartanburg and take pictures. And they brought these cameras back and the the people from Anderson Mill and some, some, I I don't know who all was involved, but different people evaluated these pictures uh, and the ones they selected are now hanging in the Chapman Cultural Center. And you can go, and I think there's a bucket, you can drop change in the vote for which one you like the best. And this, the money that's given then goes back to homeless ministries. But think about what they're doing there. It's, it's their attempt, I think, to try to enter into the world of the homeless. Because that's like, how do we think about the gospel and communicating to them? How are, how are they even seeing the world? Well, giving them cameras to take around, it it gives you a picture into their world. It gives you some insight. Here's how they experience life. Here's how they experience Spartanburg. If we're going to do ministry, we have to to find ways to enter into the worlds of the people that we're trying to reach. Now, a couple more points, and I'll I'll be more brief with this. We have to enter in the worlds of people we're trying to reach. Secondly, Ministry can be sigh-inducing. All right? I don't know if that's ever been a point in a sermon before, but it's one today. Ministry can be sigh-inducing. Verse 34, before Jesus heals this man, what does Jesus do? Among other things, Jesus sighs. And this is kind of odd, isn't it, that Mark would record this? Jesus sighs. Why is it Jesus smiling because he's about to make this guy well? You know, why does he sigh here? Commentators have offered various explanations of this. It's a, it's a sigh of Jesus' deep emotional involvement. It expresses his heartache uh, over the ravages 
uh, of sin. It was a sign of the heart of God for His needy creation. It was a a sigh of of heartfelt prayer. Uh, He sighed because he was thinking about the cost that he was going to have to pay to finally do away with death and disease. Maybe he was weary in his human nature of the sin-sick world that we live in. And he knew that the relief that he was going to give this man was really only going to be temporary. I mean, this guy was still going to have to deal with death and decay even though he had been momentarily made well. Um, The reality is, we don't know for sure. I think any of those are possible. We don't know for sure because Mark doesn't tell us why Jesus sighed. But I know that if you and I get involved in ministry, we are going to sigh too. You are going to sigh too. If you enter into other people's brokenness, if you open your heart, if you care about the people around you, you'll sigh too. And you'll probably sigh for all of the the reasons that I just mentioned and more. A sigh of weariness. Ministry is hard. A sigh of, I really need to pray. A sigh of, of heartache. A sigh of frustration. Like, oh, they just don't seem to be getting it. A sigh of, I just don't seem to be getting it. A sigh of, how long, O oh Lord? How long will this continue to be like this? A sigh of, yeah, I understand what you're going through. I understand what you're going through, and I know that's hard. Uh, Hebrews tells us that Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. I think part of ministry is being able to say, it's us being able to say, I get it. I get it. Me too. It's hard. I think that's why the Lord takes us through some of the trials that He takes us through so that we can offer comfort, so that we can offer the sympathizing tear, so that we can offer the sympathizing sigh. I was was thinking about uh, how much more sympathetic a, a physician would have to feel toward a patient who had the same disease that he had. How you'd be able to relate and say, yeah, me too. I, I know what it's like to struggle with that. We all, when you and I try to reach and equip, when you and I try to minister to other people, we're ministering to people who have the same disease that we do. That we, do. We, are, we are ministering to people uh, who are sick with sin just as we are, who are bruised and broken by the fall just as we are. And if we understand that, our sigh will be less a sigh of frustration of, why don't you get this? And it will be more a sigh of, me too. Me too. This is hard. Me too. Ministry involves entering the world of the people that we're trying to reach. Ministry at times will be sigh-inducing. Thirdly, ministry requires us to rely on God. Uh, After Jesus sighs, He looks up. And most would say this is His way of saying to the man, this is not a magic trick I'm about to do, that God is the one who is going to do this. When we seek to minister to others, it requires of us a constant dependence on God. We have to constantly look to heaven uh, and not to our own resources. And I'm, I'm fairly convinced at this point in my life 
that this is the one of the things that the American church talks a lot about but doesn't get. Because we, we constantly fall back on thinking we, we can fix things through our resources, through our talents, through our money, through coming up with the right plan. Um, we don't get this, we don't do this, maybe because we're not desperate enough yet, that we're still, with all the craziness going around us, fairly comfortable, and so we're not desperate enough to cry out like this. Uh, we don't get this, and we don't do this because it really is easier to spend 15 minutes on my social media feed and I get more dopamine hits off you liking my post than for me to spend 15 minutes in prayer and seeking God's face. And so we don't get this and we don't do this. Um, How often have you found yourself in the posture of the woman in the verses preceding this who came and was begging Jesus, persistently begging Jesus for the life of her daughter? Uh, How often have you found yourself in the position of the friends of this deaf man coming and begging Jesus. I think sometimes we, we do that for a minute, for a day, for a season, and then ah, it's kind of back to normal. And I think our, our lack of prayer leaves us in this position of relying on ourselves and not Jesus. Relying on ourselves to raise the spiritually dead. Relying on ourselves to comfort those who mourn. Relying on ourselves to put broken marriages back together. Um, George Haddad was telling me the story. He took Sarah to, to Canada. She's going to be an exchange student there for a month. And they were gonna, dropping her off at the family. They were, she was going to stay with and they were meeting them for the first time. And they got to the door and they had walked up and they had their luggage. And they started talking and George realized, I don't speak any French. And the people she was staying with don't speak any English. And so he said he was completely dependent on Sarah, his 16-year-old daughter, to communicate to this family that he'd never met before because she knew French. He, was, he didn't know what was being said. He had to depend completely on her. That's the position we're in as believers. We have to depend and rely completely on God as we go about doing ministry, as we go out about doing ministry. So let me encourage you. Um, an announcement I made earlier. We're going to have a time of prayer at the Swice Goods tonight. I know it's 7 o'clock. I know it's Sunday night. I, I know it's summer. But this is an opportunity for us to, to gather together as God's people and pray for the work of the gospel in Spartanburg. So let me encourage you to, to do that, to find opportunities to gather with the people of God and pray. Ministry involves entering into other people's worlds. It's sigh-inducing at times. It requires reliance on God. And then finally, ministry is about regular people bringing their friends to Jesus. It's about regular people bringing their friends to Jesus. What was the name of the guys that brought their friend to Jesus in this passage? We don't know. We, we have no idea. We don't, we don't know what their names were. Because they were just regular folks like you and me, who brought their friend to Jesus because they knew Jesus could open deaf ears and loosen tongues and heal paralyzed bodies and bring sight to the blind and raise to life both the physically and the spiritually dead. They brought them to Jesus. See, when you and I are involved in ministering to others, we're not 
trying to be the answer man or the answer woman. We're not trying to, to fix people with all our knowledge. We're simply the conduit to bring them to Jesus. Where they can be exposed to Jesus and the life-changing power of his word. Because what changes this man ultimately is Jesus speaking into his life. Be opened. Be opened. Be opened. Are you eager to friend are you eager to bring your friends to Jesus? Are you eager to bring your friends to Jesus? You know, if we're not, I was thinking about that, if we're not eager, doesn't that say something about where we are spiritually? I'm not asking you, are you good at it? I'm just like, is it something that you desire in your heart? Because we're eager to bring our friends news about the things that we're excited about. And what does it say if we're not eager to bring our friends to Jesus? Uh, Mark uses a word, and I'll close with this. Mark uses a word here that's only used one other place in the entire Bible. And it's kind of interesting. Verse 32, he says that the man has a, a speech impediment. Uh, in the NIV, it's translated that the man could hardly talk. Uh, and the word for that is magillalos in the Greek, magillalos. And it's only used one other place in the Bible, and that's in the Greek translation of the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35 follows chapter after chapter after chapter that talks about God's coming judgment. But then chapter 35 is very different because in chapter 35, it starts talking about the coming of God's kingdom. And listen to Isaiah 35, selected verses. Verse 1, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, the desert shall rejoice and blossom. Verse 3, They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Verse 4, He will come and save you. Verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute... There's the word again, Megillalos. The tongue of the mute will sing with joy. And do you see what Mark is very intentionally doing? He's saying the day of Isaiah 35 is here. The Savior has come. The ears of the deaf are unstopped. The tongue of the mute will sing with joy because the Savior, God, has arrived. Savior's here. Uh, Charles Wesley put this to music in his hymn, Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of Thy name. Hear Him, you deaf, his praise, ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ, ye blind, behold, your Savior come, and leap, ye lame, for joy. Do you know Him? Do you know this Savior? Has He given you, has He opened your eyes to see? Has He opened your ears so that you could hear the message of the Gospel? If so, and you have embraced Jesus, then praise Him, and leap for joy, and be someone who would enter into the world of the people around you, even though it is sigh-inducing, and even though it does take much prayer and labor to bring the people around you to know Jesus so that they can leap for joy 
as well. Let me pray for us. Father, I, I pray that you'd help us to see that we are the, uh, the deaf man and the blind man and the mute man and that you have come and that you have opened our eyes and our ears, you have loosened our tongues so that we can know you and praise you. Uh, Father, as you have been gracious to us, as we see this great salvation that's found in you, would you cause that to be so exciting to us that we can't help but go uh, and tell others, that, that we can't help but want to go and to reach and equip, even though it is hard and difficult. Uh, help us in this. Help us to be prayers and goers uh, and rejoicers. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.